Hey everybody, it's Keller with FreshEventure.com. Today I wanted to talk to you guys about web design and some best practices for it and um, you know how to look at your web design from a marketing perspective versus an artistic perspective. Now that's a very important concept to understand when it comes to web design um, and I'm not completely perfect with this. You know, I've I've done some uh, things with my web designs uh, because I, I just liked the way it looked. Um, it was a really cool feature. You know, oftentimes we try out cool flash features or crazy navigations or, uh, you know, lots of different colors or fonts, uh, thinking it just looks you know, it, 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 we're, we're coming at it from a, an artistic perspective. We like the way it looks and we like the way it makes us feel. Uh, the problem with that, though, is that your web design isn't meant for the most part. Normally, if you're trying to sell something or if you're trying to get signups for a newsletter or comments on blog posts, you have a specific call to action that you're uh, trying to get. Um, it, well, you should want to get across through your web design. And so your web design needs to complement that call to action. So we have to look at it from a marketing perspective and not an artistic perspective. Uh, so you may love the way it looks, you may love the way it makes you feel, but if it's not actually uh, helping your conversion rate, then it's, it's not doing its job. You want to think of your online, well, your web design as your online presence, the way that an office building or a grocery store or a store at the mall uh, is that company's offline presence. You know, when a grocery store designs their store, they don't design it from an, ar uh, an artistic perspective. They design it from a marketing perspective. Uh, you know, the way the products are organized, the way that the aisles are organized, where you find products on the shelves, the colors that they put in, inside the grocery store, uh, where special features are, are placed inside the store, such as, a, you know, a coffee shop or the deli or the bakery. Uh, everything has been set up from a marketing perspective to help increase their conversion rate, which is, of course, getting people to purchase, you know, groceries uh, and hopefully purchase a lot of groceries. So, you know, when you're looking at your website, you, you want to connect it with your conversion rate. Now, in the beginning, if, if you've just started a website and you're implementing your first design or if you've had a website for a while, but it still has that original design, uh, that design was created from an uneducated guess. You know, before you actually launch a site, you're designing it from, um, you know, your perspective of what you think is going to work, what you think people are gonna wanna see, uh, and you're not gonna have any experience yet on, on where some, um, issues may be lying within your your website. Uh, what, what might be blocking people from going through with the call to action that you're offering? And so a few months uh, into having your website live and having some traffic, you wanna start looking at those issues. Uh, start figuring out, okay, if my conversion rate is low, why is it low? Is it the actual product I'm offering or subscription I'm offering? Or could it be the web design itself? 
Uh, am I not making it clear enough that there is a call to action, that I, I want these people to do something while they're on my website? So in the beginning, you have that uneducated guess, uh, and that's okay. I had the same thing when I, every well, every website I've created, but um, you know, just to kind of go back to something recent, freshyventure.com, I, I launched it on May 8th. I designed it in April in Photoshop, and I actually had no clue I would be utilizing WordPress uh, as the platform for it. I was actually designing it with a, a whole other platform in mind. And I, I had an idea of what I wanted the site to be and what I wanted people to do on it. Uh, but a few months now, after um, getting some traffic and, and getting you know a little audience of my own on there, I'm starting to realize where the issues are. And in fact, I just redesigned my site uh, this week, and I hope you guys like it. Uh, but you may notice a few things, uh, a few major changes actually. Uh, my first design uh, was designed really for me. I wanted it to look, you know, I don't know, just happy and and um, bright and fresh and new and. And I definitely got that point across, and I actually got a, a ton of new web design clients based on the design of my blog. People would come by, see it, and then contact me asking me if I could help them do, you know, oftentimes the very same design for their <laughs> blog. Uh, now I've just redesigned the, the blog, and you may notice that the design isn't as unique or um, maybe special as the first design. And there's a reason that I, I made some of the changes that I made. Um, you know, I, my blog isn't meant to bring me in new web design clients, though I, I love that and I hope to continue to get new web design clients, but that's not the purpose of my blog. And uh, I was noticing that that was kind of the, the big call to action that was that was happening on there. I, I was getting a good conversion rate for that. Well, I want a, a good conversion rate for comments and newsletter subscriptions and RSS subscriptions uh, and people joining my Facebook fan page and, and following me on Twitter. Those are my call to actions for my blog. So I, I needed to redesign it from that perspective. Also, you know, I, I had made an uneducated guess on what kind of design would work. And what ended up happening was a few months into launching the site, uh, I was I was getting more and more information on there, and the site was becoming more and more cluttered, and so I had to redesign it. Uh, now, with the experience of knowing what kind of resources and information I have on here, and how I need to organize that to um, ensure that people actually stay on my blog for a while, and check out more posts than just one. You know, so a few months, maybe six months, three months uh, after launching your site, it's a great idea to kind of go back and look at it now with a little bit of experience of what visitors are doing on your blog or, or your website and, and make some changes to, to um, you know, help benefit your conversion rate. Uh, now let's get to the, the first major point I want to talk about with um, your web design. Your web design needs to be uh, constructed in a way that it completely supports and promotes your call to action. 
that should be the number one focus for you when designing your website. Um, there's a point to your website, right? You, If you have a store, you want people to buy your products. If you have a blog, you want people to leave comments and subscribe to your newsletter or your RSS feed. If you have a uh, services company, you want people to fill out um, you know, a contact form and, and become a lead. Um, so there's a point to every website. Even if you're not selling anything, or and, and let's say you don't even have an RSS subscription or anything like that, uh, you have your website up for a reason, and what is it? Maybe you just want people to read your articles. Well, that's, that's a purpose there. And so your website needs to gently force every visitor down the path you want them to go. I said gently force. Now why I, I always say that gently force is that if I were to say force, what I'm afraid you might, well not everyone's going to do this, but there are people out there who um, use really bad kind of tricks to keep people on the blog so or on your website. So you know, uh, I've gone to some websites where I hit the home page and then I click my back button and it, it continues to, to bring me to the home page. It won't take me back to the search engine. That's some kind of script or code they have on there that um, you know I think is preventing me from, from leaving. I don't like that. That's not a good, that's not a gentle force. That's a force. That's a blatant force, and that kind of website turns me off, and I'm probably not going to visit them again. Uh, so when I say gently force, I, I'm serious about that. Um, this is going to be a very harsh way of putting this, but I, I want to get this point across to you. So I'm going to say it in some bold words. I don't want to offend anyone, though, so I'm not talking about anyone specifically here. But you need to design your website uh, in a way as if, as if you're designing it for the stupidest visitor ever. And what I mean by that is you have to design it as if you're, you're, um, your only visitor is going to be someone who has no idea how the internet works, how a website works, that you're supposed to click on links, that here's a navigation bar, that I have something I want you to do. You have to design it from that perspective. Um, not because you're actually going to have you know, visitors who have no clue necessarily, uh, but and you will have some visitors who really don't understand the internet and websites. And so you want to make sure you keep them on there by, um, you want to make sure that, you know, you're being, you have a logical navigation. You are helping those people who don't necessarily know how to get around a website. Uh, but also it's because if you design it from that perspective, you're going to help your conversion rate because you're actually focused on getting the person through these steps you need them to take. So if you have a store, uh, there are certain features that, that need to be added to your website. You're going to want to make sure that it's easy for people to uh, get to the checkout, uh, to, to their actual shopping bag. Uh, so if you don't have, you know, a very obvious, obvious button or link that says, you know, go to my shopping bag or check out, uh, you're just making it harder for people to do what it is they, you want them to do. If you have a blog, uh, you're going to need to 
make sure that your RSS subscription is, is clear, it's obvious, it's in the first fold preferably of your website. When I say first fold, you should, um, you'll probably hear this uh, online quite a bit. The first fold of a website is uh, every part of the website that shows up in your screen when you first hit that page. So before using your scroll bar and scrolling down or up, um, you see a certain portion of the website, that's the first fold. In that first fold, you should have your call to action there, no matter what kind of website you are. Um, you know, if, if you're offering a service, you should make sure that you're uh, putting the most important points about your service there and making sure that you have a, a big button saying contact us for more information. Uh, you should have your, your RSS subscription available in the first fold if you're a blog. Um, if you have a newsletter, that should be in the first fold. You know, you don't want to hide those things. Also, if there's going to be any kind of money uh, transacted on your website, you need to make sure that you have um, you know, an easy link to find out what kind of payments you uh, uh, people can make and what your shipping policy is and what your return policy is. If you hide those things, uh, those very important features, you're going to deter people from going ahead and checking out. Uh, so, so again, your website needs to be designed in a way that s supports your call to action. So don't look at it just from a, oh God, this is such a cute image. Oh, I just love the colors, yada, yada. You should love your design, uh, but your design should also be bringing you in money or leads or, or um, you know, an audience of some sort. Uh, so the next point would be, you know, making sure that you have a, a logical, easy navigation on your website. Uh, and what that normally the best practice is to have your navigation bar either at the top of your website or in the left or right sidebar. And uh, you know you need to have your most important links there, your contact button, your about button. Um, if you want them to read, if you have a, a, a blog uh, and you want them to read more and more articles and stay on your blog longer, you need to make sure that you have a good directory up there in that navigation of, of all of your article categories, your post categories. If you're offering products, you want to make sure that it's easy for people to use your navigation and find your product collections. And also to be able to shop by price, shop by product, shop by collection, shop by brand, shop by manufacturer. Um, this all goes into having an easy, organized navigation. The next thing would be having an uh, easy way for people to contact you or find out more about you. You know, the truth is about pages are not, um, you know, your about page isn't going to be your most popular page on your website probably ever, um, but it, it's important to have it up in that top navigation. Don't hide it and just put the link in your footer links. You know, you need to make sure you have your about page link in your um, main navigation so people can learn more about you or your company. And you need to make sure it's easy for them to contact you, especially if you're a store. If, again, if you're, if you're asking for money, uh, the the person who's going to give it to you or is considering giving you their money is going to want to know who the heck they're giving it to. And they're going to want to know that it's easy to contact you in case there's an issue. So if you have a phone line, you should have that phone number available um, readily, easily. 
Now, I actually break this rule on my stores. I used to have my phone number displayed on every page, my uh, toll-free number. And I stopped doing that uh, because I was noticing that people were uh, calling immediately when they had a question rather than going to, to my customer service area. And my customer service area had answers to all of the commonly asked questions. And so I would, I would constantly get called with the same type of question where the answer is right there on my website. So I decided to move the phone number to my customer service area. So it's still very easy for people to contact me. The button, the contact button is available and it will lead to a form uh, where they could fill it out and, and email me. Otherwise they can go to customer service and get my number right there. Uh, so, you know, you might, you might have to make choices like that, uh, but you still need to make sure it's, it's easy for them to contact you. Uh, from a design perspective, you really don't want to overwhelm your visitors. Again, your most important feature of your web design should be your call to action. I, I want to say that again. Your most important feature of your web design should be your call to action. It's not your colors, it's not your logo, it's not your fonts, it's your call to action. And then the logo, the colors, the fonts, the layout should all help support that call to action. Uh, so some best practices for design would be, you know, try to limit your fonts to two to three. Um, if you have 10 different fonts on your website, you're going to overwhelm people. It's too much. And also, uh, you know, for headlines and, um, you know, kind of big fonts, you can do some fun fonts like Georgia or, um, you know, Times New Roman or uh, things that are, you know, to make it look a little cute. But for the, the standard text on your website, you should try and always stick with either using Arial or Verdana. Uh, Verdana is actually my favorite out of the two, but Arial and Verdana are considered to be the two easiest fonts to read on a monitor. And uh, your content, content is king, your content is what's going to uh, bring you in business, and so you need to make sure that your content is easy to read. Uh, so, you know, always try and keep uh, your your standard text, Arial or Verdana, but you can go ahead and make your, your bigger text, your headlines, um, you know, something cuter, as long as it's easy to read. And so then, you know, that means you're, you have two fonts on your site, and that's fine. Two to three is, is great. Any more than that, and it's getting too confusing. Also, your main colors should be limited. Um, now this, this is a rule that can be broken depending on how you do it and what kind of a company or website you're running, but for the most part, you don't want to have a rainbow of colors on your site. You want to have, you know, maybe two to three main colors. Uh, and, um, you know, this way it, the, the site remains uncluttered looking. It remains, you know, clean, it doesn't overwhelm people. Uh, again, the colors shouldn't be what you're trying to get across, it should be your call to action. So if your colors, your fonts, your images, if all of those are overwhelming your visitors uh, and distracting them from your call to action, then your web design is not doing its job. 
So try and stick with two to three main colors. And also a really great be best practice to remember is try to keep your links uh, an obvious color. Um, now the, the standard link color online is blue. It's just been that way for years. It started off that way, it's, it's blue. Um, but you don't have to stick with that. On my e-commerce stores, I have like a teal color for one of them <laughs> uh, for all the links. But what I make sure I do then is, is I don't put any other text in that color. So if you're gonna make blue your link color, um, that better be the only text that's blue <laughs> on your website, unless you know it's in your logo or something like that. Um, you know, if, if your headlines are blue and then you have other verbiage that's blue and then your links are blue, uh, people aren't gonna understand what is a link and what isn't, and you're gonna annoy people. So try and keep your link color unique. And speaking of clutter, you know, all of these go into uh, this whole, the easy navigation, the, um, the fonts, the colors, all of these should help to keep your website uncluttered. Uh, now, I know that I have a bias <laughs> when it comes to web design uh, because I am a professional web designer, but when I visit a site that is filled with thousands of links and filled with content that's not, you know, spaced out nicely and you know, you, you just can't figure out where you are and where you're supposed to go. I'm out of there. I am out of there. I'm too overwhelmed. I don't understand what it is they want me to do. And I have to admit, it, it comes across as extraordinarily unprofessional. And this tends to be a downside to people who don't have the money to invest in a web designer. They end up maybe trying to design the site themselves, but they don't have a web design background. And so their website um, tends to put people off. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're not a web designer, you know, WordPress, you can buy gorgeous themes for it, even Blogspot, people make themes for those. Uh, for your e-commerce store, if you utilize a company like Network Solutions, they offer uh, free templates for your store. And, um, you know, all of these freebies or paid, you know, templates and themes, uh, for the most part are designed from people uh, that have some web design experience. You know, so you can kind of piggyback on them and, and that's great. Uh, if you try and do it yourself and you don't really know web design, you might find it difficult. Um, I actually never went to school for web design. I learned it all on my own just from, you know, starting my own stores. and. And I've always been into art. I love to draw and paint. So um, web design kind of became my digital medium, which is really fun, but I had to learn about it. And my God, that first year, I made a million mistakes with web design. Um, I think one of these days I might show you guys some screenshots of the way my first store looked. And it's pretty amazing how far I've come. You know, you're gonna learn in time what works and what doesn't, uh, but it's okay to to um, you know, buy a theme that's nice. Uh, you don't have to do it yourself even if you don't have the money to invest in, in a web designer. Also, there are a lot of web designers out there that charge very little. You know, so you may be able to get a great deal. Uh, but if you choose to do it yourself, um, you know, keep these points in mind and, and learn a little bit about HTML 
learn a little bit about web design, make sure that you're, you're ready for it and that you do it from a marketing perspective. Um, next point would be your website needs to be focused on your target market. Now this is the one uh, area where you can possibly break the rule uh, some of, of the rules that I've laid out here. Um, if your website is created for uh, an art institute, then your website might be very artistic and you might have an unusual navigation bar and, you know, it, but it, it works for your target market and they're going to understand how to get around it and, and they're going to be able to appreciate the design. Uh, so in, in certain cases like that, okay, you can, you can kind of break some of the best practice rules. Otherwise, um, you need to make sure that, you know, you're understanding who your target market is and that your website's prepared for them. So my stores, for example, my stores um, target market tend to be uh, middle-aged women uh, to older women. And I've noticed that a lot of these women um, aren't, you know, experts about the internet and can often get, you know, can get easily confused about how to do something, how to check out, how to find information on my website. So I have to be very careful when designing my website. I, I need to make sure that it's extremely easy to understand for them. And I also have to, to choose colors and fonts that are uh, maybe a little feminine since you know the majority of my customers are women. Um, even men that shop at my store are usually shopping for their wives, you know, so uh, I need to, to make sure it's a little bit feminine uh, and maybe a little bright and, and cheery. Uh, I don't want to choose colors like black, you know, and, um, and blue and make it super masculine. Uh, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't benefit my target market. Uh, this also, you know, my, my own blog comes into play here. This is a great example. You know, my first design was designed out of just what I kind of wanted it to look like. Uh, but I started realizing that it wasn't, um, it wasn't targeting, it, it wasn't focused toward my target market. I, I was bringing in tons of web design clients and that's not my target market for my blog. Um, so I needed to change it to make sure that you know, instead of people hitting my site and saying, wow, this is so cool, I think I want to get one just like this, and they contact me, instead I want them to come to it and say, oh, wow, this, is, this blog has great information. Um, I like this girl who runs it. I want to learn more about her. I want to read more posts. Um, so, I, you know, I had to change it to um, make sure that the, that the proper target market was being affected by it. Uh, the next thing would be customizing your site and making it unique. Now this, this is really only an issue for people who use WordPress themes or Blogspot, you know, blogger themes or, um, you know, storefront templates. It, it, you're going to be one of many who are using that same theme and that's not necessarily a problem. Um, especially if no one in your same industry is using that template or theme, then you're great. You're the only one, you know, who has that that theme. Other people who use it, you know, they're in a completely different world with, you know, who they're trying to attract. So it might not be a problem. But even if you use a standard template or, or a theme, customize it in some way. 
at least get your own logo designed. Go ahead and invest in that. That can be very cheap to get done. Um, less than $100 and you can have your own unique logo. And you can add that to your theme and there we go. It's, it's customized for you now. It's a little bit unique. Uh, so you want to make sure that your site doesn't look like every other site online. Uh, but it's definitely a great advantage to be able to utilize a theme if you're not a web designer. And, um, but just make sure you, you customize it in some way. Maybe change the headlines to a different font. Um, you know, maybe change the colors a little bit. Make it unique, make it your own. And my last point is don't change your design too often. Now, I have broken this rule a million times, especially with my first store. Uh, that first year, I swear to you, I changed my entire store design once a month at least. Now, it was okay at the time because I had very, very little traffic. So it wasn't likely that someone who had just come to my site a month ago would come back and see this huge change and get thrown off and then come back a month later and see it again and get thrown off. So I, I kind of was able to play with it a little bit and, and it was a learning process for me and, and a training experience really. Uh, but, but for my existing stores, I try not to change them too often because every time you change them, if you have a regular base, you know, recurring customers or recurring visitors, uh, you might throw them off a little bit. Um, you know, if you've moved your navigation bar, they're going to have to relearn where it is. Uh, also, it, it can tend to put off this uh, vibe that you're not really uh, stable yet, that you're still finding your brand image, that you're still finding yourself as a company. And so it can tend to appear as if you're a newbie. Uh, so, you know, Definitely make some changes when you need to, and I think it's perfectly okay to completely revamp your design once a year. Um, I'm going to say twice a year because I will probably end up changing mine at some point this year, but you want to be careful about that. Don't do it too often. So there we go. We talked about your web design, and um, you know, I'll just reiterate here that your web design should be supporting your call to action. That is the most important job of your web design. Think about your website as your employee, your salesperson, your checkout clerk. Uh, your, it, it, it is the face of every um, division of your company. It's oftentimes the first thing uh, people see of your company, especially if you're a completely online business, if, if you don't have an offline business, um, th your website is the face of your company. And it better be gently forcing visitors to do what it is you want them to do. So uh, if you're not on my blog already, if you're listening to this on iTunes, head over to my blog and leave a comment about this post. Give me your ideas on, on what you think, um, you know, some best practices are for web design. And, and if you have any questions about the points I've made, let me know. This is one of my favorite topics. So, you know, I'd love to uh, get into a conversation with you about it. Okay. 
Uh, I hope this helps you. I hope this helps increase your conversion rates. Go ahead and take the points that I've, I've listed and apply them to your web design as soon as you can and see what happens with your conversion rates. Now, of course, you've got to have some traffic to really to really be able to see if changes have been, you know, beneficial or not. Uh, but you should be able to see some differences. If you have uh, a blog and you're currently um, uh, promoting your subscription, your RSS subscription kind of way down on your sidebar, today take that widget and put it up at the top. Make sure it's in the first fold of your site. If you're offering a newsletter of some sort, make sure that that newsletter offer and the sign up form is in the first fold of your website. Uh, a great place to put it is in the header so that it's available on every single page of your site and it's constantly in the, the visitor's face. Um, uh, <clears throat> you know, you don't have to utilize techniques like pop-up windows and stuff like that to promote things. If you construct your website, and plus those techniques tend to piss people off. So, you know, you can construct your website in a way that, that it, it works better than any pop-up window would. You just have to think about what it is you want your visitors to do and then make sure you get them to do it. And I have so much more to say on this, uh, but I'm going to cut this podcast short so it's not too long here. And um, again, come over to my blog and, and uh, leave me some comments. Let me know what you think. All right. And you've been listening to a FreshyVenture.com podcast with Keller Hawthorne. Thanks so much, you guys, and I'll see you later.